Hello everyone, good afternoon. It's good to see all of you here and for those of you who are streaming in online, welcome. Let's begin our time together with prayer, shall we? Let's look to the Lord to help us today. Father God, we come before you this afternoon fully aware that you are the Lord God Almighty and that you are in charge and you are sovereign. What is happening around us, do not escape your watchful eyes. And God, we know that you are fully in charge. And we commit ourselves to you as we look to you each day of our life. Because you, our Father, desire the best for us. And you watched over us every day. So even as we continue with our service today, as we look into your word, we ask that your spirit will come and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Pastor Darren ended, concluded the sermon series on This is Church with the topic, A Spirit-Filled Church. And that leads us on to a new sermon series, which will start today. And we will climax the series with a conference where, Pastor Ren, where Bishop Rennes will talk about the theme of the Holy Spirit. Some of the topics that is covered in this series may be familiar to some, I believe, and may be new to some. Uh, nonetheless, I believe it is an exciting series that we can look forward to listen and get engaged in and discuss in your cell group. In talking about the Holy Spirit, we must first of all introduce who the Holy Spirit is and the work that He does. That's what I hope to do just today in our, in our topic on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was, as I was thinking, at a, as I sit down and begin to think about the topic, I asked the Holy Spirit, how shall I introduce you to the people? And then I'm reminded of the verses in the Gospel of John where Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to the disciples. So let's look at, let's take a look at the passage. It was towards the end of his time on earth when Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, I think it's in the next slide. Can we have the next slide? Yeah, John 14 verses 15 to 17. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandment, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then, in another chapter, also in John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 7 to 15, he said, he say, Jesus said this, Nonetheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, 
He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will speak, He will not speak on His own authority. And whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I say that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. First and foremost, we must all know and accept that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not to be referred to as it or some, something spooky or someone spooky or neither is he a myth. We read in John 14, 16. Let's look at it again. John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He says, I will give you another helper to be with you forever. And he said this, even the spirit of truth when, whom the world cannot receive because you neither sees him or knows him. And he went on to say, you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So when Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit, he referred to the Holy Spirit as he in a masculine manner. The masculine now, he, him, meaning that the Holy Spirit has a personality and he is a person. A person has a personality. We all know that the helper is someone who comes alongside us and assists us. So when Jesus said another helper means someone who will come alongside. In the Alpha Course, Nicky Gumbel, the creator of the Alpha Course, when he was introducing the Holy Spirit, he said this. What is he like? He sometimes described in the original Greek as parakletos. This is a difficult word to translate. It simply means, it means one called alongside, a counsellor, a comforter, or and an encourager. Jesus said that the Father will give you another, another counsellor. The word another means of the same kind. Another. In other words, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus. So that's how our dear Nikki Gumbel introduced the Holy Spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit, like Jesus, is a divine being. It's also a divine being. And then second thing we need to know about the, whole, the person of the Holy Spirit is that He's the third person of the Trinity. We know the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
In Matthew 28, okay, Matthew 28, in giving the disciples the great commandment in Matthew 28, Jesus said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So how does Jesus be with us to the end of the age? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is included in what we call the baptism formula. The disciples were commanded to baptize others in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, the three-in-one God, that the triumph God that we believe in, the Trinity, we call the Trinity. This also means that the Holy Spirit have the have equal standing with God the Father and God the Son. He's given the same honor and worship. Mina Arison, a theologian, in his book, Christian Theology, has this to say. He says the Holy Spirit is a person, not a vague force. Uh, this reminds me of a lot of people like to say the force be with you. Please, uh, not that. Uh. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit being fully divine is to be accorded the same honour and respect that we give to the Father and the Son. It is appropriate to worship Him as we do them. He should not be thought of as in, in any sense inferior in essence to them, meaning that they have the same essence. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. His work is the expression and execution of what the three have planned together. The three of them have planned together. There's no tension among their persons and activity. So they, they, they move in unity. They move in unison. And they, have, they, all, they all receive the same honour, the same worship. And, and of course, we know that they are the same essence. Let me quote another person. A.W. Dozer, a more modern um, and more popular author, he said in his book, A Life in the Spirit, he said, because the Holy Spirit is a person, he possesses all the attributes of personhood. He can feel, he can love, he can hate, he can be grieved. We read of in the scriptures, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? That all the things attributed to the person can be found in the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, that He is a person, and can be addressed as any real person. So you can talk to the Holy Spirit. You can, we can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit as much as we can have a personal relationship with God the Father and God the Son. Then, of course... There's this group of people in the church history and during a period called, uh, in, the, in the 1500s to the 1600s, there's this group of people called, there's this period that is called the Radical Reformation. And there's a group that called the Mystic 
or the, the mystical or spiritual radicals. So a historian said this. He said these people were more experience-oriented, more inclined to mysticism and believe in the inner spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I must say that there is nothing wrong, and there is nothing wrong to desire and experience with the Holy Spirit. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit or touched by the Holy Spirit, we feel good. And of course, sometimes we all know that different people respond to the touch of the Holy Spirit differently. But there is always that feel-good feeling. So if our entire faith is dependent on a just feel-good experience, then our faith is questionable. We just want to go to church and feel good. And after walk out, what happened? Our faith should not be just merely on the feel-good experience. Rather, our faith should be based on the finished work of Jesus on the cross and on the, resurrec and the resurrection of Jesus. Our spiritual maturity is dependent on our exercising of our spiritual gifts. You know what our spiritual gifts are? And this is where the Holy Spirit can help us in our spiritual gifts. He uh, says, we, we read just now that the spirit of truth will come and lead us into the truth of God. The spiritual gifts are like physical exercises. So if spiritual gifts are likened to spiritual exercises, the Holy Spirit is like a personal spiritual coach uh, that helps us to exercise our spiritual gifts. So the Holy Spirit is, also, is considered as the executive person of the Godhead, meaning that he's the one who executes and carries out the will of, will of the Godhead. He hears what? He hears and listens to God the Father, and he will reveal the word of God to us. So, he, the, so in other words, the Holy Spirit is a very busy person uh, to take care of um, the work that he is tasked to do. And the work that he's tasked to do started from the very, very beginning of time. So the work of the Holy Spirit can be seen in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. We will just look at three in the Old Testament and three of, which, three of them in the New Testament. So the Old Testament, the term Holy Spirit is not often found in the Old Testament. We read of the Spirit of God at work or the Spirit of the Lord at work. So we read the Holy Spirit, we read, when we read the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, it's the same as the Holy Spirit when we read the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So same. So first of all, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, right from the beginning, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And we read in the creation account that after that, creation came about. So, right from the beginning, we can see that the Holy Spirit was involved, was there, right from the beginning, and He was involved 
in creation. The Holy Spirit was there to bring about order and life in creation. Then the prophet Isaiah affirmed the work of the Holy Spirit in creation. He said this in Isaiah 32. He said, until the Spirit is poured upon from on high, the wilderness become a fruitful field. So the Spirit brings life. And the fruitful field is deemed a forest. So there's life on earth because the Holy Spirit came and brought life. Then, the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired the prophets and scriptures that we call prophets and the law. As we read the Bible, we know that the Spirit of God was the one who inspired the prophets to be God's messengers. And God's messengers can boldly say, this is the Word of God. This is what God is saying. And we read of one such experience in the life of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, he, he said this, And he, the Spirit of God told him, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit, capital S, uh, entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. So the prophet Ezekiel shared about his experience and his encounter with the Spirit of, that the Spirit of God came upon him and spoke to him. Then in 2 Peter, Peter affirmed and confirmed the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament. He said this, For no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke from God as, he kept, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Then Paul in 2 Timothy said this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now in the New Testament, why am I quoting in the New Testament? In the New Testament, whenever the disciples, the writers of the New Testament talk about the law, talk about the prophet, they were actually pointing to the Old Testament, the law and prophets in the Old Testament. Because why? That's, that's all they know about the law and the prophets. So the, they were referring to the prophecy in the Old Testament and the scripture in the Old Testament that they referred to as the law. So Peter and Paul were talking about the Old Testament, the law, the Spirit of God at work in and through the lives of the prophets and the law and people who inspired and wrote the law, like people like Moses, who they, they understand the law of Moses and all that. So the prophets and the law were greatly inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. As much as the gifts of the Holy Spirit are mentioned in the New Testament, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament also grants special abilities. And we can see that in the construction of the tabernacle. In Exodus 31, verse 1 to 5, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmen, 
to devise artistic design to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in crafting wood to work in every craft. So we see that you so we see that the Spirit of God grants special ability to this man so that he can oversee the construction of the tabernacle. We all know that the tabernacle was a, a portable place of worship. So, so God has given this man a special ability. I, I remember reading um, a book called On the Construction of the Tabernacle by this guy, Jackson Cornwall. And he, he wrote this in a very interesting way, like taking you on a tour through the construction. And when come to this part, and when come to this part, just before Moses told Bezalel that he was chosen of God, Moses was explaining, in that book, Moses was explaining how the whole tabernacle was constructed. And then when after... Moses told him that you are appointed by God. And interestingly, Jackson Cornwall wrote this as a conversation that Bezalel held with, had with Moses. He said, very interesting. No wonder I understand, I could understand everything that you were explaining. Now I know that God has given me that gift. So that, that, that was really, really interesting. When I was reading this, it reminded me of the book that I read called Let Us Draw Near. It is a very interesting book. Then in the book of Judges, we, we read of this strong man, Samson. In Judges chapter 15, it says, And he, Samson, came to Lehi, the Philistine, came shouting to meet him. Then what happened? Then the Spirit of God rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arm become like flags that has caught fire, and the bones melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put his hand, put his and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck one thousand men. Wow! So we heard that Samson had some extraordinary strength, and he was. Not because he carried weight, not because he pumped himself up with special medication or what, but it was simply because the Spirit of God came upon him. And, he, and Samson was set apart. And the Spirit of God came and gave him great strength so that he could fight off the enemies. So the Old Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation and he gave special abilities to men. And then we move on to the New Testament. The New Testament, in, in the introduction of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this. Okay, let's look at it again. Huh? Um, John 16. He said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said this. That if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who? The helper. Okay? And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay? Then we, so in other words, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about the conviction of sins in our lives. Not just in the lives of pre-believers, but also in the lives of believers. 
We are all sinners saved by grace. For us to be aware of what it means to live a righteous life, the righteous life, and for us to be aware of judgment. That's what Jesus says, that he will come and convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus himself knew the need for the Holy Spirit. When he was on earth, he was what? He was 100% man and he was 100% God. So he knew that the need for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit right at the beginning of his ministry. At the baptism of Jesus in Luke that was recorded for us in Luke chapter 3. Now when all the people were baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So at the baptism of Jesus, which marks the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, the Holy Spirit came, came upon him in bodily form, in, in, like a dove. So we see that in the New Testament, other than convicting us of sin, the Holy Spirit also empowered and equipped us for ministry. So here we know that when Jesus, when Jesus was baptised, after that, he started his earthly ministry and he was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, performing many signs and wonders and as well as healing many. Then just before his ascension into heaven, Jesus told his disciples this in Acts 1.8, the famous Acts 1.8. He told his disciples, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the, of the earth. The word power that is in this verse is a Greek word called dynamis, or some people call dynamis, okay? And this Greek word carries the meaning of power, strength, and ability. In other words, Jesus was saying that when the Holy Spirit come upon you, when the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples, the Holy Spirit will grant power, strength, and ability to the disciples to carry out and to continue the work that Jesus has left behind. And we know that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And and because the Holy Spirit empowered us, you and me, in, for, for ministry in our Christian life and service to the Lord, personal inadequacy should not deter us or discourage us from availing ourselves to serve Him. God has given us special power, strength, and ability to carry out the work. Last week, Pastor Darren talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of the disciples on the day of Pentecost. 
we all know that life was never the same again for the disciples after the day of Pentecost. We read all about the acts of the Holy Spirit in and through the life of the disciples in the book of Acts of the Apostle. Many signs and wonders took place in and through them as the Holy Spirit granted them power, strength, and ability to do so. Remember the denial of, Jesus, of Peter? Just before, just before Good Friday, or on Good Friday itself, we talk about the denial of Jesus, uh, de denial of Peter, that Peter denied Jesus three times. And he, after that, he went away. But on, after the day of Pentecost, wow, he was a different man. And you can read about it in the book of Acts. And Paul told us that this third person of the Trinity gave us sonship in God. That's exciting. Then the Holy Spirit gives sonship in God. In Romans chapter 8, Paul the Apostle says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have, the spirit, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How exciting can that be? That what a privilege for you and me to be called children of the Most High God. Calling God the Almighty, God the Creator, Father, Abba Father, Daddy God. What does it mean to address God as our Father? meaning we can run to Him in times of need, in times of sadness. We can <laughs> throw our tantrum with Him too. It means that God loves us. God the Father loves us and desires the best for us. Amen. There's this verse in 1 John 3. I mean, I didn't put it on the slide. It says this, For how great a love the Father has given us, that we should be called son of God. In other versions, in what manner of love or what measure of love that God has given us that we should be called children of God. That's how much God, our creator, loves us. And he calls you and me. He calls you daughter. And he calls you son. So we are sons and daughters of God the Almighty. And one other thing that the Holy Spirit does in the New Testament is that He engages in prayer for us. He engages in prayer. Again, in Romans chapter 8 now, it says this, Paul said this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, that we do not know what to pray for, us, for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit of God could intercede for us and intercede through us. Sometimes when we come before God in prayer, and we have no idea how to pray for various reasons, we may be distracted, we may be so stressed up, we may be anxious, 
we may be sad or disappointed or angry, or whatever our emotions may be. But my suggestion to you, in times like this, don't walk away. Don't walk away from your prayer time. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Sit silently. You could sit silently before the Lord and allow, allow the Spirit of God to minister to you and allow the Spirit of God to pray through you because He knows what is in the heart of God. Remember, He's the third person in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So He knows what is in the heart of our Father God and He will pray through us. So in summary, first of all, we need to know that He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I've introduced just three things in the Old Testament and New Testament. That in the Old Testament, He was involved in creation. The Old Testament, He inspired the prophets and the law as they give the Word of God, as they write the Word of God. And He grants special abilities, okay? And in the New Testament, of course, he, He's the one who brings about the conviction of sin in our lives. And He empowers and equips us for ministry. And He grants us sonship in Christ. We will discover more of the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. And of course, we will discover more when we read the Scripture. Today is just to whet your appetite. So I hope that this will excite you to dig into Scripture and learn more about the Holy Spirit. And I hope that this will help to help us to look forward to the conference where Bishop Brandis will come and speak to us. Let us pray, shall we? Spirit of God, we want to thank you, Lord, that we can talk about you today. Spirit of God, we desire to encounter you as a person and we desire to see you at work in our lives, in our families, and in our church especially, Lord. So Lord, help us to get excited about what you are going to do in our lives. That we pray that in the weeks to come, as we hear more about your work, as we hear more about what you are doing, Spirit of God, we pray that you will excite us, that we will desire more and more of you. Like the apostle of old, life was never again the same when they were filled with the power of the Spirit. So we pray, Lord, that you will come and fill us afresh every day, giving us strength to face each day. And especially during this period of uncertainty in Singapore with all these viruses, the cases and classes having an increase, we pray that the wind of the Spirit will just blow through our country, bring about cleansing, bring about renewal and refreshment. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.